Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated. Uh, thank you so much for coming out. Such an amazing welcome. And, and um, I have known your pastor since he was in junior high school. Now, that speaks a lot to my age. I'll be 58 next month, and uh, I've been in ministry for, oh, what's it been? Over 35 years now, and I've been in this little no-name Nazareth town called Dinuba, California for 25-plus years now. And uh, when we moved there, I thought we might be there a couple years. And uh, it's become our life's work and investment and well worth it. I tell you, there's something to be said about longevity in ministry. And uh, we celebrate 25 years. We actually did this spring. And um, God has been amazing. This church, this building, reminds me a lot of where we started and uh, we are blessed and honored to say that this is our first stop on an amazing, miraculous tour that we are going all over the United States. We're going to churches of 50 and churches of 1,500 uh, throughout this. It's not about the size of the church. It's about the size of the heart and the desperation for God in the places we're going. We, too, were once a church right at this size when we got there. Pastor, or, or I say pastor, might be prophesying. Greg and Shelly Ferris were there, and uh, Greg's dad was the founding pastor of Living Word Fellowship, and uh, he had passed away, and the church had come into a place of disarray, very small group of people, just a handful of folks, probably about what you see in this one section. When we got there, the church, the eaves were caving in, the sign was falling over, everything was in disarray, and uh, God has built it now into a mighty, mighty work throughout the Central Valley, and uh, he's blessed us with a reach that is literally international and uh, some amazing things that have happened. We, we moved into a uh, former Ford dealership back 11 years ago, 10 years ago now, and uh, it was miraculous all, every step of the way. And now we, we have an amazing uh, size of church, but our heart size has not diminished. It has even increased, but I used to say when we were in that little uh, church over on Nebraska, our building may be small, but our desire level and our hunger for God is a lot bigger than the building we're in, and I feel that here today, and uh, we are just blessed and honored to be with you. Well, um, look, I'm, I'm not a author. Uh, I guess I am now. 
but I've I had never written anything. It 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 just was not on my radar to do anything like this. But um, back in the last year or so, I God began to move on my heart that the story of what He did in my life back in the spring of 2020 was a story that needed to go out. And at first, I thought I was just going to travel and minister and uh, that the Lord would open doors for my testimony because by this time, I had already done interviews with every uh, major news network throughout the Central Valley of California, as well as the major newspapers uh, on on the front page of the Fresno Bee, um, the whole front page and second page on a Sunday paper was uh, my my big old ugly mug was right on the face of it, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And none of them, when I did the interviews, I I always said this to them, uh, I'll do an interview with you on one condition that you tell the whole story, that you don't hold out the parts that are the best, which are the God parts, and uh, because this is a story about him. And uh, so it's been broadcast all over, uh, literally in Kaiser Hospital in Fresno. I'm known as the Miracle Man. And it's not about me, it's just these are, one was, a, one of my doctors was, is uh, a Hindu doctor (laughs) hallelujah and he's the one that starts spreading the rumors that I'm a miracle man (laughs) and saying we need more miracles you know and uh and and I tell you when when your pulmonologist sits on the foot of your bed my last day in the hospital from almost dying from COVID-19 and she looks you in the eye and she begins to weep and says, there's no explanation for you. You are an absolute miracle. I sit in awe of God. I thought it was over. I really thought I was going to die. And a couple of times my spirit actually left my body. On April the 9th, I was admitted and taken by ambulance to Kaiser. I had had COVID for about a week. My wife was deathly ill. The truth is she should have been right there with me uh, in the hospital. But she said, I can't go in because my kids, my family, does not need both their parents in the hospital and she endured and went through and got her own miracle at home. Uh, I had to go to the hospital to get mine. But um, by the way, my best half is with me on this tour. Tammy is Mrs. Braveheart in my book. And, and uh, our last name is Wallace. And we trace my heritage all the way back to William Wallace. And um, uh, Tammy is Mrs. Braveheart. She was amazing through all of it Um, I was put on the ventilator and I won't go into the details of it this morning tonight I'll probably share a little bit more about my testimony and uh, minister in the miraculous tonight but um, 
it, it was pretty amazing because I went on the ventilator and uh, everybody said that's a death sentence and indeed at that time 89% of the people that went on the ventilator were dying and uh, death was all around me when they wheeled me into the ICU. I've been in the ICU many, many times as a pastor praying for people. It was very different. Literally, when they took me through those doors on that gurney, um, I felt like, and I remember thinking distinctly, this is the place they send people to die. And um, that night, I was put on the ventilator. I was on the vent for 14 days. Ten of those days, I was in a coma and uh, don't have any memory except for a couple of nightmares and the fact that they were packing me in ice. One time I remember distinctly them packing me in ice because uh, my fever was spiking at 103. They could not get it down. And so um, when I woke up from the coma, I was literally tied to the bed, uh, naked except a loincloth, my feet were tied and restrained. My hands were restrained. I went to sleep uh, one way, and I woke up in this strange place, and they walked in with hazmat suits, it felt like. And I felt like literally one of those sci-fi movies, and it's like Twilight Zone or something. I went to sleep one way, and I woke up in this strange environment and, and uh, had no idea uh, what was going on. And... Finally, God sent, I don't know if it was an angel or a nurse, uh, but she was in the form of a nurse anyway, and she came in and all the questions and all the panic and everything I had, she answered in a moment. She came in, she looked at me, I couldn't communicate because the ventilator tube was coming out of my mouth and, and uh, I didn't even know that I was on the vent. At that time, I, I, I was just so disoriented and, and um, she... She came over to my bed and she looked down at me and she touched my arm and she said, uh, she began to rub it and she said to me, she said, uh, Mr. Wallace, do you know where you are? And I shook my head no. She said, you're at Kaiser Hospital. You're on the ventilator and this tube is, is breathing for you. Without it, you would not be alive. And she said, and you're restrained because if you accidentally reached up and tried to pull it, it would kill you. And she said, and you're, you're, you're in this condition because your fever was so strong, we had to uh, pack you in ice. And she said, you must be cold. And I shook my head, yes. She grabbed a blanket and tucked uh, it in all the way around. And she, she said, it's going to be okay. You've been through a lot. And, and uh, I had no idea that I'd been asleep for 10 days. And uh, in fact, when I finally came off the ventilator, it was amazing because uh, I was able to, to speak with my family. And uh, the short of it is my son got on the, the uh, we, we were Zoom, uh, not Zooming, we were FaceTiming. And uh, he said, Dad, do you know how long you've been there? And I said, I don't know, maybe two or three days. He said, Dad, you've been there for 14 days. And I couldn't equate that. I, I just couldn't get that to reconcile in my mind that I had been out of it for that long. And um, uh, my family was just amazing through 
my wife was, was believing God and supernaturally things were happening and uh, she didn't know what was going on in the room and I didn't know what was going on in her bedroom <laughs> and the visitations and the things from heaven that God was doing, the supernatural events. I, I, it, is, it is just awesome tonight. You'll hear a little bit more about the amazing God encounters. We had angels in the room. My spirit left my body twice, but God brought me back supernaturally. And now I get to cross the nation, tell my story, and stir people's faith in our amazing God of miracles. Amen. I want to tell you there is a whole new wave of miracles that's about to break out all over the body of Christ. Miracles will become the new normal. They talk about our new normal because of COVID, and I'm just here to tell you COVID will not define this nation or the world. God, God defines it. God is going to move in an amazing way. Signs and wonders, healing and miracles all go hand in hand. And there's a reason. Why? Miracles validate and substantiate our claims of Jesus as Lord. Let me say that again. Miracles validate and substantiate our claims of Jesus as Lord. The day of the church coming and trying to organize and program and, and you know, three points in a poem, get you in, get you out in an hour, the mega church, all that is about to shift. Because that will not address the hurt and the pain and the agony and the things that are going on in the world today. Miracles will happen because the world is in a desperate need where they're at the end of themselves. I have a whole new vision of, of the miraculous than what I used to have. And um, because of the miracle the Lord did when the doctors gave me absolutely no hope and so told my wife on April the 17th, you just need to prepare yourself. He's going to die. There is no chance. He is in multiple organ failure. His liver is shut down. His kidneys have shut down. His lungs are shot. Uh, he'll, he will not make it out of Kaiser. You need to understand and prepare yourself. His heart is beating so hard and so fast that if COVID does not kill him, then he'll have a heart attack. One way or the other, it, it, it could happen at any moment. And until you get to that point, you don't really understand the Scripture the way that we should. Unless it comes through revelation. I'm going to attempt this morning and tonight to share a little bit with you about the miraculous and, and, and believe God for some amazing things. You know, this is not, somebody said you're going on a book tour. And, oh, by the way, I guess I should mention, I, you know, my book is, is I'm Not Done. And the subtitle my wife wrote, uh, When There Is No Hope, But God Says Live. God Says Live. And uh, the book is 
chocked full of these encounters with God that I had, amazing things that the Lord taught me. While I was laying there on the bed, I literally had a holographic Bible that appeared in front of my eyes and, and, and all of Acts chapter 12. It was like highlighting. It was something out of a movie somewhere. And, and, and Acts chapter 12 came alive to me how Peter was in prison and, uh, and, and God, the church prayed. And when the church prayed, it said that James, the brother of John, died in the, in the prison the next day. He was killed by Herod, and then Herod brought Peter in to do the same. And he lay in prison the night before his doom, tied up 16 soldiers in the depths of the dungeon, and 16 soldiers guarding him. But God brought the greatest prison break and deliverance that the world has ever known. Hallelujah. And, and Peter wasn't even aware that the supernatural was going on. He thought he was hallucinating. And I did too, sitting there in the room when the angel was in the room and other things were going on and, and it was supernatural. And, and, and all I know is this, Peter lived and he lived a long life after that and, and told of the miraculous signs and wonders and the amazing things of God. And things began to shift in his life. And he began to wear this new clothing of, and he just fit right in to the miraculous. And the way that God used him was something else. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're Peter. What I did for him, I'm doing for you, and that's what this is. And, um, and so I'm, I'm not a salesman. My mom is a salesman. She's 80 years old, and she's sold more books than I have. <laughs> now, there's something to be said about your mother. My mom's name is Bernice, and uh, Bernice, Bernice has the gift of gab. I get it honest, I guess. And uh, wherever she goes, she goes to convenience stores, to antique shops, to the gas station, and she's got a bunch of my books in the trunk of the car, and she'll talk to people and say, my son almost died of COVID, and God did a miracle. He wrote a book. Really, they say, and she says, hang on a minute, and she goes out to the car, comes back in, and says, for $20, it's yours. <laughs> And she exchanges 20. She's got a pile of cash waiting on me when I get to Illinois. Hallelujah. We were driving through San Antonio, and I was talking to her on the phone. And uh, she says, now, John Hagee's there. She said, you ought to stop by. I'm sure he'd want to read your book. <laughs> yeah, Mom, I'll get right on it. She said, I know you think I'm crazy. I thought, no, Mom, you're just 80, you know. And... <laughs> and <laughs> And so anyway, so I'll let her do the selling of the books, but if you want to pick one up after the service this morning, I'll be happy to sign it for you, and, and uh, we have them, uh, I think, what, they're normally $17.99, we got them for $16 uh, available for everybody, and so buy them all up because I don't want to carry them all the way across the country uh, in the back of our car. All right. Hallelujah. Miracles are not all pretty and rosy. Miracles happen in very ugly, impossible, and hopeless and helpless situations. They're born in the midst of our weakness and our vulnerability. 
And um, I used to look at it very, very differently. I used to look at it as Jesus going through and doing all these miracles for people, and I never focused on the people. I always focused on Jesus and the miraculous and operating in that power and these same things that I've done will you do and, and, and that kind of mindset. And then I would look at the book of Acts and I would see it very similar that there's this outpouring and that's just kind of the evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which indeed it is one of the evidences of, of signs and wonders. He said, you'll lay hands on the sick, they will recover, you'll cast out demons, and, and, and so on. And so we see that too many times in the miraculous as, as the validation that the anointing is on a person instead of the validation that he is the anointing. And he is the one. He is the burden remover, the yoke destroyer. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is our all in all. And when you put your faith in Christ, it is he that is elevated, not the mighty man of faith and power. Because I'm here to tell you, this mighty man of faith and power had been in ministry for many, many years. And I laid there and I fought my own fears and my own doubt and my own humanity. And my faith and my humanity was colliding when I was there. And I felt hopeless and helpless and, and like I was about to die and literally prayed and said, God, please just take me. Because I measured, listen to me, I measured every single thing of my life. I said, my wife will be fine. She has a very large life insurance policy for me. Hallelujah. The church will be fine. We've built it. It's great. My kids are raised. I'll, I, yes, I'll miss seeing my grandkids grow up. But Lord, I'm ready. I'm, I'm so ready. And the fear of death left. And I, I couldn't wait to just be home. And I was hungry to go home and pleading with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to me about my destiny. About things that He had for me still to do. Thus, the writing of the book, I'm not done. See, see you better be locked in to what God has for your life. Because the enemy will come and try to take it prematurely. And if you're not careful, you will get in agreement with what the enemy is trying to do and taking you prematurely. And I truly believe that laying in hospital beds all over the world uh, from COVID, many people, I'm not saying all, but many people die and don't make it. Over 650,000 people now have died in this country from COVID-19. And, and I believe that thousands of them had no reason to live had no no thought of living and and because i know that that living for your family was not enough it was not enough living for even my ministry was not enough living for joy and and seeing my kid my grandkids raised was not enough i had to live for the destiny that was on my life for what god said i've put you in this world for a reason. And you, you'll begin to understand I'm, I'm on, the enemy is on assignment to take me out. And all of a sudden everything will shift in your mind and your heart and now you will expect God to do 
the miraculous in your life. And I don't know who I'm talking to here today, but I feel like that there are some of you, many of you, who have felt very vulnerable, very weak, very, very uh, found yourself in ugly impossible, hopeless, helpless situations. But I'm here to tell you, you are prime for a miracle. You are prime for a miracle. Because that's the place that we get to when the miraculous steps in. Now when I look in the Scripture and I see all the miracles Jesus did, my mind doesn't go to Jesus and the power and the authority and the miraculous. It goes to the person who was hurting and wounded and had given up and, and had lost all hope. But Jesus came in and touched them in a mighty way. One such man was found in the, in, the, in the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 3. And it says this very quickly. Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb. Lame from his mother's womb. This guy's 40 years old, you find out later. 40 years old, never walked. It's one thing to have walked and then lost your ability. It's one thing to see and then lose your eyesight. You have something to compare it to. But whenever you have been born in a certain condition and that's all you've known all your life, you begin to give up hope. You have nothing to believe for because you've not seen the way it could be and the way it should be. So you begin to accept this as your lot in life, and that's what this man had done. It says, he was lame from his mother's womb. They carried him. They laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms. For those that entered into the temple, he had been reduced to a beggar. Who's seeing... Peter and John, about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people that saw him walking and praising God, they, they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the gate beautiful of the temple and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him and out of the backside of this 5,000 people got saved in one setting 5,000 why because the miraculous lended credibility to Peter's message when the message was preached, there was credibility connected to it. Why? Because they looked at him and they said, here's a man that we know. 
He's been in this condition his whole life. Every single day he sits at the gate and begs. We've walked past him a thousand times going into the temple. We know him. And I tell you, when God takes someone and does a turnaround like that in their life, the world stands up and says, what's going on? And now your voice their ear is inclined to your voice. Just like the man who they, get, they fixed their gaze on him and then they said, look at us. Let me just tell you a couple of things out of this text very quickly. First of all, he was lame from his mother's womb. It's all he ever knew. And um, when, you, when you have a problem that long, you tend to gravitate toward what you know you tend to gravitate toward what you know what do you do when you've had a problem so long that it's become a way of life for you some of you are here today and you were raised in poverty or you were raised in 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 abuse and situations that are going on in a home where there's where there's been an unhealthy environment and you don't know any different and then a person goes and they get married and their expectation of their marriage is exactly what they grew up with because that's all they've ever known, and so they begin to gravitate. Why do you think it is that so many people are victims, and women are many times victims, and they've been abused as a child, and then they are gravitating towards the predator, towards that, that spirit that's on someone else, and now they're in a relationship, and they're getting beaten like they did as a child. Are you here? It's, it's because it's what you know, and what you know, you gravitate toward that thing. What do you do when you've had that problem so long that it's become a way of life? Lame his whole life, broken, insecure, probably angry at the hand he had been dealt. You develop, here's what you do, you develop a norm around your pain and around your condition. You develop your norms around what you know and you begin to accept it that way. This man, the Bible says, in essence, he had a system in place. Every single day, they, I don't know who they are, but probably his parents or someone close to him, is is picking him up, carrying him, and specifically at the specific place of the gate called beautiful entering into the temple. Why? Because at the gate called beautiful, this was the main gate that people entered into the temple through. I don't have time to go into it, but Josephus talks about the history of this, and and he talks about how huge and ornate this gate was, that it took literally 20 men just to open the gate door. 20 men. It was 60 feet wide and 90 feet tall. It was solid brass and it was covered in gold. It was ornate. It was beautiful. And here he is every single day, something so ugly and something so messed up, sitting in front of something so beautiful, unable to enter in. Unable to go inside and to have a different life and and to know what it was like. No doubt when he was younger, he watched people walk in and out and thought, oh, how wonderful it would be to be able to walk. But one, t- one day after another, he is sent there, and his whole mission is to beg and to come in. I want 
wonder who might be sitting here tonight, today, and, and, and maybe you've been reduced to a condition that you think in your life, I never saw this as my destiny. I never saw that, that life would be this way. And I, I've been reduced to things that, that, that I would have never dreamed of doing, but it has become my normal. It's become my norm. And one day, everybody say one day, he had his moment. Mm, 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 mm. You see, when every day looks the same, the light goes out in a person's eyes. They lose hope. They have no ability to dream. Hopelessness sets in, and you say, this is my normal. This is my normal. This is my destiny. But God has a set time. God has a set time. He had a set time in my miracle. He had a moment in time where everything shifted. The moment when everything changes, the shift comes. God takes over and the breakthrough begins. You are sitting here in this condition and there is a moment where everything changes. And this was his moment. This day, what was different this day than any other day? I'll tell you, first of all, the people of God weren't coming into church this day like they normally did. You see, we can get so caught up in doing good things that we forget that we're here to reach a lost and dying world around us. And we can walk right past them to get in to our wonderful seat and our cushion and everything wonderful and enjoy the presence of God. Well, I got to tell you that Peter and John didn't do that. Something had shifted in their hearts. And I submit to you that before you're going to start seeing miracles break out in the streets, something's got to shift in the body of Christ. Where our focus is locking in. Our focus is not the prayer meeting we're going to or the wonderful worship service. But our focus becomes, listen to me church. Our focus becomes the hurting people that are around us. That desperately need life. You have it. Freely you've received. We are to freely go out and give it. And Peter and John had a reputation for passing right by hurting people. Jesus, when they were walking with him as disciples for three years, these are the same guys. Peter is the one that, that would come, and, and when the children came to Jesus, he said, don't bother the master. Don't bother them. When blind Bartimaeus was yelling and crying out on the side of the road, it was Peter that turns around and says, y'all quiet him down. Don't bother the master. Why? He's on a journey going someplace. But I'm here to tell you that what Jesus said was, I hear that cry, my ear is inclined to that cry, and I came for this reason. How Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And our focus has got to be what Peter and John's focus was that day. That day was different. No doubt they had walked past this man so many times that they could not even count. What was different that day? They woke up like I have woken up. They, they had received the 
own miracles. They had seen the evidence of a risen Savior. How many of you know that is a miracle? <laughs> oh, when you catch a glimpse of him in his resurrection power overcoming death, hell, and the grave, and you understand that, and now he is living and moving and having his being on the inside of you. Now, watch this. His purpose becomes your purpose. So I have a question for you. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? The Bible says they fixed their eyes and they looked that man straight in the eyes. Can I tell you how hard that is? Because when you're begging, and people that I've seen in this kind of condition, and people that are wounded and broken, they can't look you in the eye. They're looking down. They're ashamed. They're broken. And they, they don't feel like they're worthy somehow. Peter and John look at him and they say, look at us. Why? Listen, listen. Because the hurting people that are there the hurting people that are here in this room today that need God in a desperate way to show up are so busy looking at their condition, looking at their situation, looking at the impossibility of the bills, looking at the eviction notices, looking at the pain and the agony, looking at the divorce court, looking at their kids that have gone astray, looking at the 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 the, the the layout and the, and the diagnosis of the doctor looking at that report and saying, I'm going to die. I tell you, when the doctor said that to Tammy, that was my turning point. I was still on the ventilator. I was not even awake on, September, or on uh, April the 17th. But when my doctor said to her, he has no hope. Prepare yourself. Watch this. That moment came in her life which changed my life because the warrior in her rose up and said, no, no, no. It was like, it's, how many of you ever saw the movie? I'm, I'm going to give myself away. Have you ever seen the movie Tombstone? That movie I, will make me talk in tongues. Oh, I'm telling you, hallelujah. And my favorite scene of that movie is when, is when Wyatt Earp is trapped in a crossfire. And he's sitting there, and they're saying, we're going to die right here. And he says, no. And he comes out, and he's like, I can't die. Boom, boom, boom. And he's, he's shooting people left and right, knocking down the enemy. My favorite part, though, is afterwards when they come to Doc Holliday, and they say, where's Wyatt? And they said, I don't know, probably out walking on water somewhere. 
Because something rises up. I'll tell you where it shifts. I'll tell you where it is. When you get your focus off of your situation and how bad it is, and you look at the right thing, I'm talking about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and getting the focus when she said, no, the doctors say no, the doctors say die, but I have a word that says he will live and not die. Put it out all over the internet, all over Facebook, and raised up a over over twenty thousand people praying in one post. It almost went viral. It was so crazy. People praying for us for in, from forty three different states and twenty two countries that we know of. There was not a single moment of the day that was not covered in the time zones. Round the clock, people were praying for me. Your pastor was here praying for me and believing God. Many of you were, were called upon to pray for me in that situation. And I tell you, when I woke up and I found out there had been 20,000 people praying that we knew of, that we could put pins on a map and say, they're praying from here, from here, from here, from here. I tell you, it was overwhelming. But it was the defining moment. It was the change. It was, it was the miraculous moment when she got her eyes off of what the doctor said in the report and said, I can't trust this. <laughs> if I trust this, he's going to die. My trust is in the Lord. She never one time thought I would die. Even when the doctor said he's going to die, she said, oh, no, not today, devil. And she goes out and starts just being Mrs. Braveheart and gathering up all these people to pray. This man looked at them, and something shifted. And I don't know who it is here today, but you've been looking around at all the wrong things. You've given up hope and you've said there's no way. My life will be this. It's reduced to existing. There's a difference. Jesus said I came to give you, come on. Jesus said I came to give you life and life abundantly. Does that look like abundant life? No. So we know that that condition does not line up with God's will, plan, and purpose. But that condition was all he knew, and that's all he had focused on until the moment he shifted his gaze from his stuff to the Lord, the people of God. And when he looked, God did not disappoint because the man of God looked and said, I don't have money. Now, I just got to tell you, the disciples had money because you didn't go in, if you read in the Old Testament, when you came in to the temple, you were supposed to have an offering. It was required. Thank you. It was required. And God said, sorry, my inner T.D. Jakes just came out for a moment. And, 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 uh, and uh, what was I saying? Money, yeah. They weren't broke. 
They were coming in. So what was he saying? Listen to me. What was he saying about finance and about this situation when he says, I don't have anything? He says, I'm not here to put you down for where you are. It's not about being broke. Listen to me. It was when he said, look on us. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. It was about dimensions. You're expecting on a lower dimension, and I didn't come to give you something on that lower dimension. If I give you coin, you eat for a day. If I raise you up, you eat for a lifetime. If I give you coin, I come by and tomorrow you'll be here again. Now, I'm not saying don't feed the hungry. Of course you do. Don't clothe it. Of course you do. But I'm saying that we've got to offer them hope of something better than living in that condition. Otherwise, they will be there every single day. The poor you will always have with you. Jesus said that. And so they rose up that day and they rose, they raised the man up in expectation. He looked at them expecting to receive on this level and they said, no, 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 I didn't come to give you on this level. I came to give you on a level that you've never known. I came to change your life forever. I came to shift where you've been to where God wants to take you. I came along to take you off of your deathbed where a machine is keeping you alive and to shift and take you to where you are preaching the gospel all over the nation and miracles are breaking out. I came to take you into the next thing that God has for you and it's always bigger and greater than the place you've been. Can I just tell you where God has taken this church is at a greater level than it's ever been before. I just, I, I, I just want to share this with you. Don't get comfortable here. This is temporary. You're going to pack this thing in two services just like we did. And they're going to come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And someone in the church is going to say, where are they coming from? And somebody else is going to say, the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're coming from everywhere. And you've got to hunt to find this church today. But I'm here to tell you that the thing that will shift it is the same thing that shifted us over on north Nebraska, out in the country, and in a former Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall... Thus, the attitude all over Dinuba, that's a cult over, no, it used to be. <laughs> now we got gospel. And our size did not affect me in my current condition. I'm, I'm preaching to you today, my friend. My, my current condition did not dictate my future outcome. And you've got to begin to see, and I believe you and your wife are going to begin to see this thing for what God says it's going to be because before the church can come to a new level, its leader is about to enter in to a new level. 
Leaders, I want to speak to you today. There are people that are called to lead, supposed to lead, and step up and step in. For years and years, people would come and they would visit and they would stay a short time. And then they would leave in our church. And they would leave and they would say, you have no children's ministry. I'm going to go over here where my kids are. Min- i got to think about my kids. And I'm thinking to myself, why, why won't you serve in children's ministry and help me build a children's ministry? You think I don't want that? You think I don't want that for the next generation? I'm not called to kids. Do you have one? I'm just going to tell you, your pastor's wife may serve in that capacity and she may serve in those areas, but she shouldn't. She's doing it out of because of necessity. She's doing it because there's a need, because that need needs to be filled in the body. She should be right up here in the midst of the anointing and the move of God because there's no place for my wife but on the front row. And I preach different and I feel different and everything when, when she's not there. And I'm just telling you, many of you need to rise up in leadership. That's free. I didn't have that in any notes. But when the leaders, I, where are the leaders? I'll tell you exactly what Peter and John said. They looked at him. They fixed their eyes. They said, look at us. And then the Bible says, he was lame, he looked, and then they lifted him up. They lifted him up and said, rise up and walk. So I'm just going to tell you, it's time to rise up, church. Yeah. It's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to rise up above your mindset of why. Why isn't it this? Why isn't the growth happening? Why isn't, why, why are we not seeing? We've gone to every, every, every house in the neighborhood over and over and over again. Can I just tell you that that methodology is wonderful and fine, but God's going to raise up a beacon of light from this place and the glory of God and the miraculous begins to break out and you watch this. You watch this. They will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Why? Because they're broken. They have need. They have a need for a risen Savior to rise up on the inside of them. They have need for their miracle. And when they see the miracles breaking out. The Bible says that whenever Jesus came back from the sea, he'd gone across the sea and ministered to a man in a cemetery. Fought a storm to get to one man. He comes back and the multitudes met him there. You're going to hear about the woman with the issue of blood the, the, tonight. The, the crowd was so great that they were pressing in because couldn't stop it. Out in the street, couldn't stop it. He was like the Pied Piper. Wherever he went, people were just crowding in. Why? Because they knew there was something they needed. It was beyond curiosity. It was desperation. And when this man rises up, they lifted him. Uh, Look, I'm not here to put you down. I'm not here to put any person down from your your condition. I'm not here to bring judgment in 
any way, shape, or form. I'm here to bring good news. It doesn't have to be this way anymore. Hallelujah. Come on up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. And walk. Do something you've never done before. I used to think God would never call me to do something that I couldn't do. And then I started discovering if I can do it, it's usually not the call of God because I'm leaning on me. My faith had to get out there for something so great that it was beyond me. Like doing what I'm doing now. Oh my gosh, I never dreamed I'd be doing this. Taking off for nine weeks from my lovely church that I love and I've grown and sweat and blood and tears and everything and and just go out on the road because see it's not that I left them watch this it's that I'm stepping into a whole new season because watch this when the Lord lifted me up he said I lifted you up for a purpose Sean Bowles prophesied over Tammy and I in 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 June On June the 25th of 2019, who knew 2020 was going to happen? I thought 2020 was going to be, woohoo, wonderful Jesus, right? Who knew COVID was going to hit our country? I'll tell you who, God knew. And what the enemy meant for bad to destroy, God will turn this thing around. He will turn this thing around. He will turn it around. Get your eyes off government. Get your eyes off of all of that stuff. Yeah, that's right. It was sent, COVID was sent to divide the body of Christ and to destroy and keep us in a lame position. Keeping us in our lameness so that every day the world could walk right by us, listen to me, and see us in this light. But I'm here to tell you, God didn't send COVID. COVID is from the pit of hell. It is not judgment because judgment is not come to the earth yet. It will someday, but not while we're here. We're keeping that back. We're the light, we're the salt to a lost and dying world. We're here to give the hope. But when the church is caught out, evil will rule. Some people look at it today and they say evil is already ruling. No, it's not. God is on the throne. And, 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 and I'm just here to tell you that the enemy has come in with COVID not just to kill people, 650,000 of our citizens, but it's come to divide the body of Christ. And you all know what I'm talking about. It's all there. And I'm saying, get your eyes off of that garbage. Get your eyes focused on the author and the finisher of our faith. Let the body of Christ come in and say, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We are one in the body of Christ. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. That's got nothing to do with what I'm here for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What I'm here for is to say, come on up higher. 
and do what the body of Christ is called to do and go where you have never dreamed you would go before, where signs and wonders and demonstrations of God and the miraculous are happening in your hands. By the way, Peter and John did not pray for the man. They reached down and they said, rise up and walk. In the Greek, it says they jerked him up The Holy Ghost will jerk a knot in your tail if you let him. Come on now. Rise up and do what you could not do before. Come on up to a new level. And the man went, I love this, immediately. The first thing he did, the Bible says the Pharisees found him in the temple. I've been looking at this gate and wanting to go beyond this barrier for years, wondering what's in there. And God says, follow me, and I'll take you into a whole new realm that you never dreamed before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, sir. God is about to lift you up into some new arenas in your life. I see financial blessing right on the horizon and a breakthrough where you are not robbing Peter to pay Paul and struggling and every, it's, it's going to lose its effect because God's going to give you an idea, a strategy that is going to be great blessing in your life. I know, know you, I just know you're the guy in the purple shirt. But the Holy Spirit knows you and sent me from Dinuba, California, a place you've never heard of yet until today to say this is your moment. This is your moment. You need to start expecting this to happen immediately. Start looking for this. Start looking for this. In fact, I hear the Spirit of God saying you've had ideas. And you've sloughed them off in the past and said, I don't have the network. I don't have the ability. I don't have the way to do this. I, I, I don't know how that would ever work. And you dismiss it. No more. No more. And your boss, I don't even know what you do. What do you do for a living? Uh, I work for the school district and I work for myself. And oh, you work for yourself. What do you do for yourself? Uh, oh, Okay. Do you push the mower? Yes. When it's said and done, you won't. <laughs> You'll be counting the money <laughs> and planning and organizing, but the Lord has to lift you up to a place of organization to see something bigger in a lawn service. It rains here all year round, right? In my territory, in the summer, you don't need a lawn guy because everything dies. Right? But, but I'm just here to tell you, man. I'm here to tell you the Lord wants to lift you up to something greater. And there's something besides lawn service that's in there. I'm not denying that. That can grow. But God has multiple streams of income that he wants to bring into your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Well, sometimes a word from the Lord is a confirming word, and sometimes it's something brand new. And when the Lord told me to write a book, that was brand new. 
And I said, I don't have a clue how to do this. I not only wrote it, I, my wife pub, got it published. We self-published. We got our own copyright. We were doing our own distribution. The Lord specifically spoke to me and said, don't go on Amazon yet. I'm going to do this thing in my time and my way. And so we're doing it God's way. And I'm telling you, God is blessing it. And a year ago, I never dreamed I could ever do what I'm doing now. So just because it's a new word, don't dismiss it. Put it on the shelf. Pray over it. Water it in prayer. And watch what the Lord begins to do. Hallelujah. New doors are opening up for you. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I got to quit. What time is it, uh, my love? 11.30. Nine. Ooh. All right. I wanted to quit by 11.30. I almost made it. Sounds like home. They laugh at me, too. I just got one more thing to say. Ha, 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 you know, and there it goes. They just know me after 25 years. My third closing, Shelley just said, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. And when I say I'm rounding third and headed home, it's a long ways to home. But I'll stop because I want you to come back tonight. Have you been blessed by the word? Isn't the word good? Hallelujah. 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 I'm, I'm getting things over people in the prophetic, and I'm, I'm just going to put it on hold for tonight. I'm not going to do that today. See, the word is subject to the prophet. And, and you just because the Lord shows you something doesn't mean it's for this moment. So I just tell you, you better be back tonight. Because you might miss your moment. If you don't. God wants to lift you up and go inside where you've been looking outside for so long so long there was someone you wanted me to pray for that can't be here tonight huh buddy where are you buddy buddy come on up man man I normally go to people and I say hey buddy and <laughs> I do it because I don't know their name hallelujah hallelujah what's going on with you man oh that's nothing for God I know it's huge I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying that when they say it's inoperable and there's no hope, you ought to be getting excited because the Lord gets glory where no doctor could and no, no procedure could. I don't know what the prognosis is, but I'm here to tell you whatever it is, it's, it's not good, but the Lord's word to you is good. And I declare to you what my wife said over me and what the angel that was sent from heaven and stood at my bed, at the foot of my bed, who I never saw, but I heard him and the roar that came out of his mouth. And all night long for three nights, he would point and he would say, you will live and not die. With long life, I will satisfy you. Hallelujah. You'll declare the works and the glory of the Lord. You'll be walking evidence of what I can and will do. The miraculous is perfect for guys like me and you. It's what we got to have. 
and you've come today, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to command this cancer to die, just like Jesus commanded the fig tree to die. Yeah. And it didn't yet, but death began in the roots. And by the next day, the manifestation of the prayer or the command, the curse of the, of the fig tree, was in full demonstration. And Peter says, Peter, same guy, Lord, I'm shocked. The fig tree you cursed, it listened. <laughs> You're going to be in awe of what the Lord does in your life. I'm just bold, man. We've had people that have lived from cancer, prayed for people that were terminal and there was no hope, and pancreatic cancer is one that, that we've seen healed. We've seen the turnaround. But you you got to rise up and believe that God is not done with you yet. Amen? Amen. Declaring it over yourself and getting a warring army to declare, I will live and not die. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord if you can this morning. Hallelujah. Father, touch my brother now. Now. Cancer, I curse you to your root. And I command you, dry up. Every cancer cell in this body, dry up and die. Blood cells come to normality. Every cancer cell dies and every good cell multiplies. And I speak life and that more abundantly to you, my friend, buddy, today, today, the anointing, there, 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 healing is yours. The miracle, now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I used to, when I prayed for people, I would get real loud like the anointing was in my voice. And I've learned, Jesus said, who touched me? He didn't even, he didn't say a word. Who touched me? I felt, I felt healing come out of my body. Healing came out of my being. Who was that? And, and, and so he didn't do it that way. Oh, he commanded devils to come out. And I believe it was with a strong, authoritative voice. But healing comes and the miraculous comes just by the anointing that has such compassion for the pain and the agony that the enemy has caused. And I just say, no more, no more. Complete turnaround. Coming, coming, coming. Hallelujah. The anointing, the anointing, the anointing. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you all. I bless you. So wonderful to be with you guys. We'll see you tonight. Hopefully, come expecting. Bring somebody who's really sick, not with COVID. 
Bring a prayer cloth and I'll pray over that, right? <coughs> Send it to their room. We've seen that. I'm telling you, my, my cousin uh, was, was dying of COVID. One lung. One lung. And they rushed him to the hospital and they were waiting to put him on the ventilator. And we began to pray 2,500 miles away and said, no, this is not going to happen to my cousin Tim. My aunt, his mom, is not a believer, was not a believer. She, had, she was the woman at the well, been married so many times you couldn't count it, shacking with every other man she could find. I mean, she was the easy rider gal, man. I mean, chasing men down the road with a gun, literally, saying, I'll shoot you, sorry, blah, 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 boom, boom, boom. I mean, that's my aunt, right? My mom's sister. And Aunt Levina got saved, and her five children all got saved. And Tim went home 24 hours later, symptom-free, and the doctor scratching their head and saying, you only had one lung. And they're functioning, and we don't understand this because you ought to be dead. And they didn't even have time to get him on the vent because the Lord came in. Because, see, and out of that miracle, the whole family got saved. I'm telling you, miracles are the, are the credibility and the validation to our claims that Jesus is Lord and Savior. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight. Amen. I want to do two things as we, as we wrap up our service this morning. The first thing, you might be in this room this morning and you're saying, wow, miracles, that's great. But I don't know this God that he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, come on. And if that's you this morning, you've never come into an encounter with Christ. You've never made a decision to follow him. You've never surrendered your life to him. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. The first and greatest decision you can make in your life is choosing to follow Jesus. And so this morning, if that's you, in just a moment, we're going to pray together. And then after we pray together, uh, as we close out this morning, Pastor Hector and Suzanne will be right over here and they want to greet you and, and talk with you. But in just a moment, we're going to pray together. Two things to follow Jesus. Number one, you need to acknowledge you need him. We all are in need of a savior. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. But Jesus made a way of escape. He provided a way to come out of our sin. And so the second thing you need to do after acknowledging that is repent of those sins. And that's what we're going to do together this morning. We're going to acknowledge that we're in need of a Savior. And then we're going to repent of our sin and start a journey with Him. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, I, I want to choose to follow Him this morning. I want to repent of my sin. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to slip up your hand. I want you to raise your hand and say, I want to pray this this morning. I see those hands this morning. We're going to pray together in just a moment. Church, I want you to pray with us this morning. I want you to pray with us. Let's pray. Jesus, I repent of everything that separates me from you. Today, I make the choice to turn from my sin and follow you. I give you my whole life. I make an exchange. Today, I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www.equippingcenter.us.